Hi friends, it's your girl Harpo. Welcome to this episode of Brown Girl Guilt titled Lil Miss Perfect. That's me. I'm Lil Miss Perfect. JK, we're going to find out very soon that I'm not Lil Miss Perfect. And if you're listening to this, baby, you're probably not either because perfect is kind of a weird thing to try and be all the time. Okay. Okay. So this episode of Brown Girl Guild is part of season three. And if you're listening to this consecutively, this is the last episode of the season. If you're not listening to it consecutively, that's awkward. You can ignore that. Continue in whatever order you would like. This season at Brown Girl Guild, we're exploring what it means to truly love yourself. And, you know, I've said time and time again that loving yourself isn't necessarily just like hugging yourself and, you know, embracing yourself and admiring yourself. It's not just, you know, rainbows and lollipops and just, you know, positive affirmations and bubble baths. Truly loving yourself is also calling yourself on all the bullshit that you contribute to in your life, right? It's looking in the mirror and recognizing that sometimes the one creating drama and chaos in your life is you, baby. You're the one creating drama. You're the one that's creating chaos. And your job is then pointing at those parts in the mirror, picking up on all the bad habits and asking yourself where they're coming from, and then holding yourself accountable for the mess that they may have created. And the key to all of this is self-love. And you might be like, how Harpo? What is that? Is that even self-love when you're like calling yourself out? Yes, baby, of course it is. The self-love part is doing all of that with gentleness, kindness, and ease. It's granting yourself what? It's granting yourself grace. It's reminding yourself that you can work on all these things that are wrong with you in your behavior. I mean, okay, I don't like to say it like that, actually. Not wrong with you. It's reminding yourself that you can work on things that are wrong in your behavior while also maintaining that listen, honey, there's nothing inherently wrong with you, right? None of us were actually born with all these problematic BS behaviors and habits. We are beings who learn, right? So it's something that we obviously picked up along the way. Now, perfection is actually a toxic habit of mine. (laughs) And it's a, a very chaotic bad habit. Because perfection is something that is never actually attainable. There's no way that we are ever going to be perfect, right? Perfect is an ideal that we set ourselves up for, but seldom do we ever really achieve it. Now, it can kind of feel odd to think of perfect being a bad habit. Well, perfect just means that you want to be like the best version, right? You just want to constantly improve yourself. You constantly want to level up and you want to be the best possible version of yourself. But yes, it's good to want to grow and yes, it's good to want to level up. But when you're trying to be perfect and you're not trying to be just yourself and when you're trying to, you know, be this definition of perfect that was kind of crafted by somebody else or crafted based on something else, that's when it becomes toxic. And for me, this, you know, trying to attain perfection and thinking that I'm perfect and I can make absolutely no mistake is actually something that I've, you know, recognized in the very recent 
part of my life, um, something that is very detrimental. And I remember actually writing down in my phone. So I have a note on my phone that's titled therapy. Um, and then, you know, in that note, sometimes I just move through the world and write down things that I really want to talk about with my therapist or things that I notice about myself and behaviors or patterns or actions, um, or the way that I speak to myself and I write, I write it down in that note titled therapy because it's something that I want to address and bring up in my therapy session. And I remember writing down in that note one time, just, you know, maybe a few days before a therapy session, um, m the pressure that I put on myself to be perfect. And it was something that I really wanted to unpack because I found myself not being able to communicate openly. And I think that is something that I should just say that, you know, that is something that I struggle with a lot. You know, yes, I am a podcast host. Yes, I'm a great public speaker. You know, I'm a very sociable person. So much of my power comes from my voice because that is the medium that I have chosen to, you know, share my, my story through or share my craft through. Um, so my voice is very powerful, but I have a really hard time being honest sometimes about my own feelings with the people in my life. And I realized that it's actually very much tied to, um, this extreme pressure of perfection that I've put on myself. And so I'm not able to openly share how I feel because, you know, having those feelings and wanting to like rock the boat with the truth of how I feel would actually go against this idea of perfection that I've set up in my head. Now I'm going to unpack that because that could be a little bit confusing. So I want to talk about the roots of my, you know, obsession with perfection. I think that'll really help understand and kind of materialize in this form what I mean. So, you know, the roots of perfection and this idea of perfection for me starts in my childhood as as does does most problems in this lifetime right um so you know everything around me was chaotic when i was growing up and you know yes i had a loving family i have loving parents but you know to be quite frank like i live in a desi home and i've got immigrant parents and we live in a multi-generational home and so of course chaos is like the number one thing on the list right above all of that chaos is of course chaos was gonna happen you know we were in a home that had a lot of intergenerational trauma and immigrant trauma and all these things and so there was a lot of chaos in the family and i never wanted to be another problem you know, I don't know if that's something that a lot of you are going to resonate with, but there were so many problems all the time that I just didn't want to ever be another problem. I never wanted to rock the boat, right? There was always so much other stuff going on that in a way, like, I don't know how, and I admire the five-year-old version of me so much for, you know, really like coming up with all of that. But even then I knew I had this like strong understanding that there's so much going on. I'm just going to be quiet because I don't want to be another thing that my parents have to deal with, you know? And like, let's just pause for one second and just, I'm going to give that five-year-old version of me a hug because no one should really have to think like that and feel like that. But eventually, you know, I, I felt like the, the not wanting to be another problem and not wanting to like rock the boat you know, became equated to silencing myself, like really shrinking myself, making myself small and being the least of people's worries. Right. And so even if, you know, there were normal things that I needed to express or, you know, because I was a kid and, you know, I didn't really know how to navigate the world, 
and probably could have used a lot of guidance and support, there were still things that I was like teaching myself to just kind of figure out and do because I didn't want to feel like a burden, right? Not that anyone ever made me feel that way, but I just didn't want to do that. I just internalized it somehow. And eventually it just became a mechanism of survival, right? So it became a mechanism for me to survive and thrive. And so I think what it ended up doing when I was really shrinking myself and trying not to rock the boat Rocking the boat meant anything that was disruptive. And so I did the complete opposite. I tried to become the most undisruptive person and undisruptive thing in that household, in that house. And so I started to hold myself to like really, really high standards, right? And perfection for me looked like never having problems, never having needs, never having thoughts, opinions, feelings. Like I just didn't want to be like it was, it was always kind of just like, I'm taken care of. I'm good. Don't worry about it. Right. Even if there were things that I needed again, like I needed support, I needed guidance, or I just needed a hug. I really just didn't ask for it. Right. And so that kind of changed over time and it transformed because then I was always trying to succeed and always trying to be like not disruptive, right? It it kind of turned into getting really good grades at school, always following the rules, right? Like I I literally was the biggest goody two-shoes. Like I was always the teacher's pet, biggest goody two-shoe. I never like was able to do anything that felt remotely wrong um, because I just felt like the consequences were going to be so grave and it would pull people away from their actual problems, right? So I never really acted out. Um, and, you know, I would always just attain things to please other people, right? And I always just followed the book and being honest to a fault, right? Like I was always just telling the truth about everything because that's what good kids did, right? That's what good people did. And so, you know, I never, I never like really did anything that would be like a fun story or like a funny, hilarious story. Like I never really got in trouble when I was a kid. And so much of it was rooted in this idea of not wanting to rock the boat. I just didn't want my parents to have to ever really care about you know, what I was doing. And so it's bled into my life as an adult too, right? Like I keep quiet in relationships. I have extremely high standards for myself. And then I also feel like in turn, I have really high standards for other people too. And I'm going to put a pin in that because I want to come back to that because I think that is in and of itself where so much of my problems around perfection actually now show up as an adult. And then perfect is also like shows up in my relationship with rest, right? I actually find it so incredibly hard to rest and turn off. I cannot turn off for the life of me because productivity is something that I've linked so, so, you know, intricately into my self-worth. I literally base my self-worth on how productive I am because, you know, if I'm being productive, it means I'm being good. It means I am just kind of on an assembly line and I'm just moving along. And so I'm in, I, unable to rest because resting would mean that there's something wrong with me, right? And I use that in quotations, air quotes. I'm, I'm doing bunny ears in my closet as I'm recording this episode because resting would mean that I need to stop and I need to take stock and I need to reflect. And, you know, when you're being good and you've got it all figured out, you don't need to stop. Why would you need to stop? You can keep going. And so because I never really allowed room for trial and error, I never really allowed room for mistakes and that there was this, you know, constant worry of like moving along, doing the thing, you know, I never really allowed myself to, you know, for lack of a better word, fuck up. Like I just never allowed myself to fuck up and what it's done. And I'm going to come back to that pin that I put is it's also not allowed for people in my life to also fuck up. You know, I have extremely high standards for people because you know, I always think to myself, 
well, I can do it. And so can you, if I can do it, why can't you do it? Right. And so those high standards of perfection come from not necessarily giving myself room to make mistakes and just understanding that like to err is to be human, right? To make a mistake is to learn. That's how growth happens when you make mistakes and, you know, making mistakes is an inevitable part of growing up and moving through this journey of being an adult. And I think that, you know, so much of, this lack of mistake and then lack of, you know, allowing myself to fuck up has also come from constantly living in the future that's rooted in the past, right? Like living in this hypothetical, you know, future that doesn't actually exist. And I'm living in that future so that you know, everything in that future is perfect to the T. Like I'm going to set myself up for perfection so that my future is perfect. But where that, you know, that scarcity or that, you know, that fear of not having a perfect future is coming from is the past, right? And so in that way, when we're living in the past or we're living in the future, what we're not living in is the present moment, right? Like we're not necessarily really embracing and fully embodying the present moment because when you're living in the past, you're living at a time that doesn't exist. And then when you're living in the future, you're also living in a time that doesn't exist. And so when I wrote down in that note titled therapy that I want to work on my relationship with perfection with my therapist, the reason I brought that up and the reason that was something that I wanted to really work on was because my idea of perfection was starting to hurt me. It was really starting to make me feel misaligned and I'm not meant to be small, right? I'm not meant to shrink myself. I'm not meant to. And I think none of us are, right? Like that's that's not just a me thing, but none of us are really meant to be small. None of us are really meant to shrink ourselves and be dishonest in our communication, right? For the most part, we all deserve to speak truly, freely, and honestly. And suffocating myself, not allowing myself to have needs, not allowing myself to be someone who has feelings and needs to be taken care of and, you know, has things that, that are human, right? Like to error, to make a mistake, to get a bad grade, you know, to almost fail stats class and then not get a sociology degree in university, which I've actually never said to anybody, but yeah, like I almost failed a stats course and, I mean, I barely passed and then I almost never got my degree, but there was no way that I was not going to get the degree. And so I retook the course, but you know, all of those things, like not allowing myself to just be a person and be a human was being so detrimental to me. You know, it was really showing up in my relationships and it was showing up in how I navigated the world. And, you know, like I was always carrying around this heaviness and this burden of, you know, this, this burden that nobody else created except for myself. Like, yes, there was contributing factors, you know, yes, that again, I grew up in an immigrant home. I grew up in a home that had a lot of intergenerational, multi-generational trauma, and a lot of chaos around, you know, identity formation and understanding what it means to be like a Punjabi kid growing up in Surrey in the 90s. You know, there was all of that happening. And even yet, it was okay for me to have feelings, right? It was okay for me to express that I needed support. And I never did. And what I realized as like a 25-year-old, you know, really powerful, big, bold woman is that it's okay for me to have needs and it's okay for me to make mistakes and it's okay for me to not want to be perfect because what it does is being perfect also is kind of like, you know, holding yourself to a high standard of perfection is actually incredibly narcissistic, right? It's, it's, 
it's to think to yourself, think so highly of yourself that you consider yourself above everyone around you, right? You consider yourself holier than thou. And it was showing up in my relationships and it was showing up in how I was navigating everything and everyone. And I realized over time that that's not how I want to navigate, right? To err is to be human, like I said, but to allow yourself to make mistakes is actually a form of self-love because you're saying to yourself, you don't have to have it all figured out. It's okay if this time around you don't know how to do it. And there's something that I've been practicing a lot in letting go of this idea of perfection. I've been saying the word, I don't know a lot. Being perfect to me always meant being right or always having it figured out, not necessarily needing somebody else to intervene, you know, delegating, all that kind of stuff. And, you know, when anybody would ask me a question or something, I always had to have an answer for them. Whether I knew the answer to something or not, I always needed an answer. And lately what I've been finding is that sometimes I just say, I don't know. Someone asks me something about how I'm feeling. I say, I don't know if I don't know. Somebody asks me a question about something that they're curious about. If I don't know what the hell they're talking about, I'm just going to say, I don't know. And what it's done is really released me from this overwhelming, overburdening, overbearing, you know, ideal of perfection that I've set up for myself that doesn't allow me to make mistakes. And sometimes I want to, you know, sometimes I, I just don't want to be perfect. I don't want to have it figured out. I just want someone else to figure it out for me. And I want to be, you know, held energetically or physically or mentally. I just want to be, you know, by myself, you know, I don't want to have to be this ideal version of Harpo that I've set up in my head. And, you know, there's something that I, I talk to a friend about a lot. It's that when we start to think of ourselves as this like ideal, perfect version that we're working towards, what we're suggesting is that this current iteration of ourselves is not deserving of love. This current version of ourselves is not good enough. And that some hypothetical version of ourselves in the future is good enough. And what we have to remind ourselves is that every version of ourselves is deserving of love. You know, even the good, the bad, the ugly, even when we were being hurtful to ourselves and hurtful to others, we were always deserving of love. You know, there was never a time that we weren't deserving of love. And I'm reading this book right now by Matt Kahn, and it says, whatever arises, love that. And he suggests that when a negative behavior or a bad habit shows up, or, you know, a self-limiting belief shows up in our minds or in our actions, it's not an opportunity for us to run away from love, but instead an opportunity for us to love towards love because that's the time when we are in need of more love from ourselves. And I was so surprised by that because, you know, I felt like maybe, you know, giving myself a stern talking to or being really disciplined with myself and, you know, kind of like reprimanding myself when, when all of those things show up would be the best course of action. But to suggest that I deserve more love when I'm being detrimental, to say that I deserve more love when, you know, I'm speaking to myself negatively or hurting myself or hurting somebody else is such a bizarre concept to me, but also something that I feel like is really incredibly comforting. And so now when I'm trying to be this perfect person, you know, to either one up myself mostly or one up somebody else, I just say to myself, this is an opportunity for you to love yourself more because there's obviously something grander going on. You are not finding yourself worthy and deserving of being a different version or a version that might actually, you know, 
I want to say less than, but perhaps that's not the best way to put it, but just a version that is different than the one that you've got created in your mind, you know? And again, I want to go back to that five-year-old version of me that somehow, un, you know, somehow just created this sense of independence, this sense of hyper-independence. And, you know, perhaps I can also suggest that my idea of perfection is rooted in this form of hyper-independence. But the five-year-old version of Harpo that told herself that she had to make herself small and not rock the boat and not have needs because she wanted to be the least of everybody's worries. Well, that is in and of itself rooted in an act of a lot of deep divine love for everybody, but not for herself, you know, denying parts of ourselves, affection, love, attention, denying the entirety of my being, you know, all of those things is a very deep lack of self-love for me in my eyes. But I want to hold that five-year-old version of me and say to her that it was okay for you to have needs. You know, it was okay for you to want to be taken care of. And the thing about that is that I can't actually do that. You know, I can't go back to that five-year-old version of myself, but I can look at the 25-year-old version of myself now and say to her, you deserve to not be perfect. You deserve to make mistakes. You deserve to have your opinions, your voice heard, your thoughts and feelings to be taken into consideration. And you deserve to respect yourself and honor yourself and honor the boundaries that you've set up for yourself. And that you don't have to be perfect. You know, little Miss Perfect is not actually a real thing. You know, it's not something that is going to just happen. Anyway, I'm rambling now and I don't want to ramble because. I guess I'm looking for the perfect way to end this podcast episode. And if we've learned anything throughout the entirety of this podcast episode is that there is no perfect way 